1 Peter 3, verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, much in the same way that the word therefore directs us back to previous words, so also does this beginning word likewise direct our thoughts back to instructions given just a few verses earlier. There in chapter 2, God gave us very resolute instructions and exhortations regarding the matter of submission to authority saying that aside from a few and rare exceptional times and circumstances our usual our common our only acceptable manner of conduct and behavior towards all those many people and all those human institutions that have been placed over us that is our government our government leaders our employers and, and all such leaders is to be that of honor, respect, and obedience. Honor, respect, and obedience. And there God also reminded us of why we're to honor and respect and obey our leaders. It's because those leaders, those masters, he calls them there in chapter 2, have each been put into their positions of authority over us by God himself. And because of that, our responses towards them is actually towards God Himself. A concept that is so very difficult for most of us to accept and to follow. But we must. We must. And now here in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, God extends those same instructions. Remember He said likewise. He's extending those same instructions about authority to include the behavior that a wife is to have towards her husband. Submitting to His authority. That much in the same way a servant is to humbly obey and serve his master, even when the master is unfair and harsh. So also a wife's submission to her husband is to continue even when her husband is not walking in obedience to God's word. Listen to those words. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see you and your respectful and pure conduct. Again, this kind of honor and respect and obedience is so very difficult for most all women, especially given the dynamics of the culture of our day. Today's women are being influenced, even pressured, from every quarter to be self-reliant, self-defining, self-determining, self-oriented, and even self-absorbed, self-consumed. And may I say that much wrong counsel seems also to be coming from pastors, from counselors and preachers and other church leaders. Glowing sermons and advice that speak only about equality 
and all those other things that are so prominent and popular within our politically correct secular agendas. Now, to be sure, yes, equality between a man and his wife is absolutely right. And it is in keeping with these scriptures. One is no better or more important than the other in God's eyes, and neither should they be in our eyes. But these scriptures do tell us that men and women have differing responsibilities. They have different callings, different roles in their daily lives. And therefore, they have different authorities that are given to them by God. And we are to honor and respect God's plan for the working out of His design. And yes, unfortunately, too often misguided husbands will pull out scriptures such as these and use them to make demands upon their wives that they should not make, demanding obedience from them. And those husbands, those husbands are very foolish for doing that. Why are they so very foolish? It's because God has given husbands only one pathway, one pathway of prompting love and obedience from his wife. And that is for him to first love, honor, and respect her. And then, after he has done that, she will gladly and willingly show back love and obedience towards him. May I say that again? God has given husbands only one pathway of prompting love and obedience from his wife. And that is for him to first love and honor and respect her. And then she will gladly show back love and obedience towards him. May I pause here to say that to be sure, to be sure God does not instruct us to obey the laws of political correctness. Those philosophies that so dominate our culture. He instead commands us to obey the spirit of His laws that are given in these scriptures. This is what our obedience, our guidance is to be. And in here, the law of God is love. The law of God is love. That if and as a husband and a wife will love the Lord their God with all of their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength, and then as they all turn to each other and love each other as the Lord Jesus loves them, Recall that in John chapter 13. He said that you are to love each other as I have loved you. So as they turn then and love each other as the Lord Jesus loves them, then right and godly behavior will very easily flow out from each one of them. And as for us church leaders and the counsel and the advice that we give, we need first and always to reach to these scriptures for our truths rather than regurgitating out the foolishness that we learn from our secular sources. But with all that being said, with all that being said, these words here in verse 1 really do bring some troubling thoughts along with them. Listen to these words again. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. These words, even if some do not obey the word, they can cover a wide variety of behaviors by a husband, even to the point of physical and emotional abuse. If a husband is not obeying God's word, he is completely without good guidance, and he can have wrong behavior and not even realize how wrong he's being. How many times have you heard husbands say, 
You have to obey me. The Bible tells you to obey me, to submit to me. Some of the most foolish words a husband could ever say should not come out of his mouth. It's like the saying about a leader. If a leader has to tell you that he's your boss, he's not a good leader. You're going to know that. You're going to want him to be your leader. So it is in this case with husbands and wives. A husband should never let those words come out of his mouth. That he would take this Bible, these words, and beat his wife over the head with them. Say, you have to obey me. Because these scriptures tell you to do that. But again, these words, they're in verse 1, where we're told, even if some do not obey the word, that can lead to some real misguided behavior. But may I say, this particular scripture... This particular scripture is not dealing with those harshest, those most difficult of abuse forms. These scriptures here in front of us seem to be addressing instead the usual, the ordinary, the common behavior that develops when a husband is simply not listening, not hearing the voice of God and not walking in his ways and therefore not being considerate of his wife as he goes through his day, not respecting her as he should. That's what seems to be being addressed here in these particular words. And God is drawing our attention to one of the simplest, most effective ways of bringing godly changes back into a marriage relationship. Here God is telling us that He has put a provision, He has put a power within most all husband and wife relationships in which godly behavior and godly responses can work seemingly impossible wonders to bring about godly changes. Let me say that again. Godly behavior and godly treatment of one another will beget godly responses. And it's not by your clever expressions, your clever words. And we'll talk about that in a moment. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that's residing within you. Those words again, listen. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they're not walking with the Lord, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now I know that so many wives will read these words in the scripture and they'll quickly say, well, oh, my marriage is so much further down the road. None of this would really work in my marriage, in my relationship. But listen, you and I have to understand that the one who uttered these words is the Almighty God. The Almighty God who created all things just by the power of His spoken word. And if He can speak a whole world into being, then He can surely speak a marriage relationship back into shape. But He does put a codicil here, a requirement. And that is that the wife do her part. And take note here that this godly response from a wife has a far greater purpose than just keeping the scales balanced on who's most important or who is or who is not in authority in the family. What God is telling us here that it may even have to do with the eternal salvation of her husband's soul. Now let me say that these husbands that may be spoken about here in these, in these particular words where they're not walking, says even if some do not obey the word, that can be believers or unbelievers. If they're an unbeliever, it may be 
even to the salvation of her husband's soul, her behavior. Here also God is using a first and most foundational of all the equipping that He has put into a woman's soul. And that is her being a suitable helpmeet to her husband. A suitable helpmeet. The implication from those words, suitable helpmeet, is that a man often has needs that he by himself is not able to fulfill. And he needs his wife to help him. Here in these words, the need's made clear. The specific need that this husband has is made clear. All men are born with this bent towards arrogant self-sufficiency where we deny God and we deny God's authority over us. And here God is clearly saying that the spirit of the man, the spirit of the husband can be ministered to and even changed by the godly, pure, and respectful behavior of his wife. It's an amazing thing. The simple truth is, wives, you exert a special mystical influence over us husbands that no other person possesses. And no, it's not as if you can actually save us. Only the Spirit of Christ can do that. But listen, wives, your godly, pure, and respectful behavior can be so filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit that we men will be compelled by that same Spirit to stop and take notice. That's what God is saying here. Now he inserts another small expression here that I think we need to deal with. These words speak directly to a husband with his own wife and to a wife with only her own husband. This doesn't work any other way. Likewise, wives be subject to your own husband. Now that may seem like an obvious point of understanding, but if God has put it here, He's put it here for a reason and we need to accept it exactly as it's given. So then wives, your obligation is only to your own husband, to your husband, and not to any other man. If you're not married, you do not need to have that same form of obedience, although it is godly. But he's speaking specifically to wives with their own husband. Now, before we move on forward onto these next verses, which are very important, I want us to emphasize again that a wife's submission and honor and respect is to be shown even, listen, even when her husband is not very honorable not very respectable. And this is a point that I often dwell on when I counsel with husbands and wives concerning their marriage relationship. I explain to the wife that while, yes, her husband is commanded to love her regardless of her responses and her behaviors, she can really make his loving her a lot easier if she presents herself as being a lovable person. She needs to be lovable, easily loved. And likewise, it makes a wife's response and her behaviors easier if the husband presents himself as being an honorable and respectable man. And to the man, I remind him that God has equipped our wives with a very special measure of intuitiveness. She can sense things that we men can't. I've sat in a room with husbands and wives, and I have heard a braggart husband just talking about all these things he does, and I can look over at his wife's face and I can see that, no, that isn't so. She knows him. She knows that's all right. Our wives have this intuitiveness that we men know nothing about. She can sense things about us 
that we cannot. I've often said of my wife that she actually knows me better than I know myself. So men, be really honorable. Don't just talk about it. Your wife knows the difference. Be honorable. Be respectable so that your wife's task of submission is not made difficult. And then note this other condition given here. That of the wife being a quiet witness to her husband. It's far more common for a wife to want to talk her husband into being righteous. Even argue her husband into being righteous than it is for her to speak the truth silently. To speak the truth silently. And that's what God is saying here. That that's what she's supposed to do. Now these words do not preclude a wife's need to be well studied in these scriptures. She actually needs to be even more studied in these scriptures and knowledgeable so that she'll know how to handle these circumstances as they come to her. The exhortation here is simply that the wife can sometimes, perhaps most often, be more effective when she is silent, but all the while demonstrating godly character in her behavior. It's not a matter of just being silent, just not saying something, or not talking back. It is instead being very forthcoming with very godly behavior. And that can change the character of the man. Listen. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Miraculous. It's miraculous. But it works. It works. Now, may I say again, this is an especially difficult part of the marriage relationship for most every wife. But here the wife has the privilege of being an emissary direct from God to bring her husband into a righteous relationship with Christ. And what an honor and what a treasure that is. And though in these few words the word humility is not used, humility is obviously the most important ingredient that needs to be present within a wife's soul before she can be able to show godly conduct, especially if her husband is not being very cooperative, not being very respectable. Humility. Humility. Now these next words that speak about the way that a wife is to adorn herself, they may seem to be a whole other matter that do not exactly belong with these words about submission to her husband. But not so. It is all very integral to the basic heart attitudes that women, especially wives, are to have. Listen to these words, beginning in verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, the commentaries on this portion of Scripture tell us that in the Apostle Peter's day, certain braided and plaited hairstyles along with ornate jewelry and clothing and other forms of of women's adornment. They were intended to speak a specific 
an especially immoral, immoral message. And that's what Peter is referring to here. One commentator says it this way, Let not outward adorning be that only and principally. Let not that be solely and chiefly attended to, nor anxiously sought after, nor ever in order to allure and to ensnare others, or to fill with pride and vanity. Nor should it be indecent and luxurious, immodest and immoderate, and unsuitable to the age, character, and station of a person. Otherwise, clothing is both convenient and necessary. And a decent garb, a good-looking form of dress, neat and modest apparel that are suitable to the years and rank and quality of person is very commendable. The sense of this instruction here in Scripture is not that all forms of adornment are sinful and therefore prohibited, but rather that such adornment must always be modest and within the bounds of righteous behavior. Sadly, we find in today's culture that this very form of adornment and and behavior that's being prohibited here in these words, this is the cultural norm of today. This over-consumption, this over-need and demand for shapelier clothes and jewelry and makeup, it's a cultural norm. But even more sadly, even more sadly, shapely, revealing clothing, expensive jewelry, enticing mannerisms, they're often just as common within the church. Within the church, as they are out in the streets. Here God is saying very clearly and very simply, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that's frightening. Again, what a contrast to the usual behavior of so many otherwise devoutly believing women within our churches today. Now, is this the women's fault? Is this all the women's fault, the way that they're dressing these days? Not theirs alone. Not theirs alone. The blame must also be shared with us preachers, pastors, church leaders. We have not spoken strongly to these sorts of issues. Most pastors don't want to talk about anything that hard. In Scripture, there was a whole bunch of disciples walked off from Jesus when he was giving what they called hard sayings. Pastors don't like to preach hard sayings from the pulpit. They're afraid that they might offend someone. But we need to. And it's not as if, as they do in certain denominations, women actually call their pastors to find out if a particular adornment, dress, or whatever is acceptable. That's not to be done either. The Lord will answer these questions for every wife, every woman, as they abide within the presence of Christ in their relationship each day. Now there's one last very important word that's used here in this passage. It's foundational to a wife being able to carry out this command about submission. It's in verse 5 and it speaks about holiness. And I hope to speak more about that next week. Holy women. Wives, this is the most important calling that you can have. And that is to be holy. 
It is only if and as you have the Spirit of Christ living and abiding within your soul that you'll be able to carry on forward with this special call to submission. Otherwise, you're going to be struggling with the same thing the world struggles with. So then, let me finish these thoughts for today by simply saying, Wives, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Let's pray.